Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And you know that I'm a big fan of talking about coaching and how different types of executive coaching can help us to reach new heights. So today my guest is Dr. Katrina Burris, and she, I just can't wait to hit some of these high points because as I was reading her bio, I got so excited. She's CEO and founder of Excellent Executive Coaching, LLC. She's known for fast-tracking leaders to the C-suite and beyond, and get this, you guys know this is one of my favorite hot points, transforming brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. And we know we have that, uh, that jerk commentary quite often as people are always asking me, how do I deal with jerks? How do I know if I am a jerk? So we'll get some really great tidbits from her, I'm sure. Her clients often comment that working with her enlightens them to empower not only themselves, but their coworkers to walk the extra mile. And isn't that absolutely what we want to do is reach heights that we've never reached before. So Joining me now is Dr. Katrina Burris. Thank you, Dr. Katrina, for joining us. I'm so excited to learn from you today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm very excited to be here. So, and I love your podcast. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. And I know I like to hit the highlights of your bio, the things that always jump out to me, but I like to let you have your own chance to tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and how specifically you help people to shock their potential. Excellent. So I'll tell you a little bit about my background and how I got into these two areas of expertise, I would say. First of all, I grew up in Europe. Uh, I'm American, but uh, I also am Swiss. And uh, my parents divorced very when I was very young. And they re- my father, American, remarried an Austrian that lived most of her life in Italy. And my mother remarried a Dutchman that lived most of his life in Paris. So I was educated into a multicultural environment. And oh, living yeah. in Switzerland, I worked at the UN, at CERN, which is the, the biggest fundamental research uh, com- organization for fundamental physics. Uh, and uh, for example, the World Health Organization. So these type of UN organizations, you walk down the hallway and there's Mm -hmm. people from all over the world. And so what I specialized in, in that sense is this background of mine helped me 
to help people go from one culture to another or, or integrate into a, a company and succeed. Because did you know that 40% of leaders fail after 18 months? That's oh. huge. Well, no, I did not know that is a staggering number. Yes. And so uh, I help make sure that doesn't happen. And I'll give you an example. I had a, a Chinese person that worked most of his life for a Swiss company, a big Swiss company. We all know the name. Uh, and he was considered for a leader, uh, but they had hesitation whether to promote him because mm. they thought he just didn't have enough of that leadership quality. And so after working with him, I realized that it's not that he didn't have quality of leadership. It's just that the Chinese leadership style is very different. You don't mm -hmm. interrupt. It's extremely rude, to give you one example. And the top-notch leaders of this multinational, you know, they interrupt. They have high testosterone and, mm -hmm. and they position themselves. So that was one of the critical issues that he had to overcome and learn that that was impeding him from being perceived as a top leader. After working with him, he was, uh, he was promoted to a very important position in China, but mm -hmm. spoke the language. So that's how I leveraged my education and helped. Now, brilliant jerks, by the way, I just wrote a book, Managing oh, Brilliant good. Jerks. Excellent. <laughs> Well, that's a little more personal story. <laughs> they always are. <laughs> <laughs> so they, my stepfather, I perceive them as very brilliant. He was uh, very cultured at any party. Everyone listened to him. He had good repartee uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, was very cultured. But with me... He didn't have quite that emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So he and I was always hurt by the interaction. I won't give you the example, but uh, I did. I was hurt. And so I only focused on how he said the thing, not what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And with years later, I realized that what he was saying wasn't wrong. But what he right. didn't have is adding EQ to his IQ. And yes. so... Uh, I helped uh, those type of clients that are brilliant to help them be more interpersonally savvy. And I'll give mm -hmm. you another statistic is that 74% um, of leaders have that successful leaders have had at least one intolerable boss. Yeah. yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, that means three out of four of you will encounter one or have, and therefore, uh, instead of just firing them, uh, give them the opportunity to work on them. They are brilliant. They bring something value to the company. So why not work on their interpersonal skills so that uh, you can leverage their brilliance? So I think that is my, so many things that I was taking notes as you were talking that jumped out at me. And, and it's so true that, you know, uh, clearly, I mean, I think you're right. We, I, I'm surprised it's only 74% of successful leaders have worked for an intolerable jerk of a boss. Because <laughs> I, I know I've worked for a few. Um, but just because 
they are intolerable bosses in one way doesn't mean that they don't have value. Some of them have are absolutely brilliant that, you know, um, that have so much value that they can bring, but that disconnect within an organization um, that happens between somebody who is that brilliant jerk and the other, the, the followers, the people that want to follow is such, can be such a big chasm that it, it creates not only a problem, I think, for that person to continue, although sometimes they continue and get into really high positions, which makes you all wonder, but I think that it, it sends such a, a, a strange message to other people saying, well, is that the only way to escalate myself is to become a jerk or, you know, wait, maybe I just am not cut out for this. So maybe I'm not going to try and follow it. There's so many mixed messages that happen. And I lo- I'm so thankful you shared your story that Um, It doesn't matter what the particulars are of it, but when something is said that is not incorrect, but it is said in a way that is offensive or hurtful, it breaks down communication. And so none of us grow to our full potential when we don't, when we can't honestly have a dialogue about emotional intelligence. Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, It's... uh... Yeah, I'll give you an example. I had a client that did extremely well in Eastern Europe, a woman, mm-hmm. uh, and she uh, had incredible results. So they promoted her to Asia. Well, mm. her style didn't work at all. And yet she was had a big responsibility. So working with her was uh, making her more aware. Maybe I'll tell you how the shock was that she mm-hmm. wasn't motivated to change, but uh, working with her uh, in a year, the very people that criticized her for being abrasive uh, gave her name as candidate to the best leader of the year. So people can transform, but uh, usually they can't do it alone because what made them successful uh, was that type of behavior and they're triggered, they're triggered, yeah. and they, you need to get to the bottom of the triggers to be, help them change into new behavior. You also made an important uh, comment, is that if, like this person in Eastern Europe, she was uh, promoted very quickly, and, mm-hmm. and if she, her behaviors is abrasive, people start saying, huh, maybe that's the way to get promoted and therefore emulate that mm-hmm. kind of behavior, and there you and you can see it uh, taking a, a life of its own in the organization. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right too. I wrote down you can transform, but you can't do it alone because you can't always see where your blind spots are. But at the same time, why wouldn't anyone say if I was so successful in this role, they liked me for this, they promoted me because of who I was? It's not, um, it's not going to be common sense to say that when I go into a completely different environment that, that I need to change and adapt to that environment because whatever's gotten us to be successful to this point, we think we just need to continue to replicate it. And that's a real, that can be an ego um, bruise for somebody to say, well, wait a minute, now I have to be somebody completely different in a different company, different country, different culture, but that's part of the 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 evolution of us is, is being able to kind of read the room rather than just replicate ourselves or our same, um, our same actions. Yes. And so the, the skill set is really to help them see uh, 
really, I would say leadership agility is being mm -hmm. able to see in the context and the person in front of them, how they need to adapt to best help the other person perform better. And I'll give you an example between a, what I call a brilliant jerk and, uh, and uh, an inspiring leader, but has very high standard. Mm -hmm. So the brilliant jerk uh, is triggered by so any failure is, is a trigger often. So you come with some bad news and they go, usually I'm simplifying, of course, they go into the fight mode. You know, there's a fight, flight, freeze. Well, yep. they're usually into the fight mode. So the person feels humiliated, personally attacked, but doesn't really know how to improve because they get right. the anger first thing. Uh, from the other person. Well, an inspiring leader with high standards would probably have the same situation. The person failed their, their objective, but will step back, be much more strategic in their approach. What does that mean? Well, mm -hmm. to give two examples is one, um, has the person been unable to do it and they have to adjust the project or give them a training or have a supervision done so that they can succeed or right. has the person been unmotivated to do it so there's other reasons so the leadership adapts to one or the other situation i'm just giving two examples to simplify mm -hmm. but having that that eq to be able to and self-control to be able to do that yeah, and it really requires that you don't have an immediate reaction or, you know, that you take that deep breath. And it's one of the things that I talk about in my my book where, you know, I, I basically say, you know, instead, many of us as, as leaders um, have a history of being successful and having the answers to things. So when somebody comes to you and, and has a crisis and, you you know, they say, hey, what do I do? you know, many of us would know what the answer is and in efficiency mode would say, here, go do this. Or somebody says, hey, I have this problem. Well, here's how you have to fix it. Or how did that happen? Instead of saying, tell me more. Tell me more about the situation. Give me some more background on it. You know, tell me what some of the things were that you thought about in the process. And, and being able to not only use that, that time as a leader to kind of take those deep breaths and maybe diffuse some anxiety, but to learn more about the person, you know, what they brought to you or what that situation or that challenge was and be able to let them feel respected in it rather than the reaction. Because you're right. I mean, if you, if you just have an immediate reaction, then people are always going to be afraid of you. So then it's, it's a constant fright on, and flight on their mode too. <laughs> rather than seeing, okay, nothing is ever going to be 100% perfect. So how are we going to learn from this situation? Yes. And you make a, uh, another important point is that they react uh, according to the brilliant jerks mood instead of what's best for the company. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is uh, bad news doesn't surface in, in a timely fashion so that they have enough time to resolve the issue. In fact, it has to get to a crisis before it ever comes uh, to his attention often. So uh, it's really not in the best interest of the company and the outcome. Yeah. 
So when you work with people in these situations, I mean, this is really fascinating. This is a, a truly super niche kind of uh, market that you work with. And so when you're working with somebody like this and they have to, you know, they're, they're about to move into a different country. They're about to, uh, you know, have a whole different type of person that reports to them, something like that, that, you know, where they're going to have to shift who they are. What are some of the common challenges that, that they face? You know, what are some of the, the, uh, the reactions that you see from them as you start to help them to turn the mirror on themselves a little bit? Well, like you have a company where you help people find uh, virtual assistance Mm -hmm. from another country so they're staying their country and they're working with people from another country so that's a mm -hmm. particular situation so they'll make a lot of assumptions about the needs and the wants of the people they work with and in the coaching process you um, you help them see what their assumptions are it's a socratic type of questioning so what do you think that is? And, and the brilliant jerk too. So, oh, they didn't give me any ideas. They're, they're <laughs> stupid. You know, and you say, okay, so why do you think they reacted that way? Okay. Uh, and what else, what other ideas do you have that they might've reacted that way? Ah, oh, so that's interesting. Let's dig more onto that. So what else could, you know, so you let them uh, really think about it and give several options and then you pull their thinking. So that's in the coaching process. Mm -hmm. uh, with the, in a situation like yours, there's also, what are their underlying assumptions or cultural attributes? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you another example. Uh, when I, this is an Italian a client of mine that worked for a Swiss company, but had just come from working for big companies like Sara Lee in the U.S. and where it was very assertive, uh, you know, let's get to the bottom line. And uh, <laughs> so he comes to Switzerland. Now, Switzerland, it, it's, and this company was a Protestant, Calvinistic, uh, very unassuming, mm -hmm. underplaying, and... Uh, he did something, just a detail to give you an example. He did something that was, hey, nothing wrong with it. He took his frequent flyers and cashed them in to go first class from Switzerland to New York. That was uh -huh. his frequent flyers. Right. No, not at all. It's not unethical. It's his frequent flyers. Well, the problem was that the CEO never goes first class. So... When people find out, they say, who does he think he is? He thinks he's more important than the CEO. And this. So oh. he had no idea of the culture in which he was coming. And so yeah. that's, those are details, but there's seeds of derailment if it continues in that uh, sort of mindset. Yeah. Oh, so true. And, and something that he probably did not think about at all. And then afterward, then you feel like, well, I have to defend myself. And that can get, cause its own grief, you know, feeling like you have to defend instead of just trying to say, okay, what am I learning from this? How do I, how do I maybe diffuse the situation and make sure that something like this doesn't happen again? But I could see that happening. Yes. I wouldn't have thought anything of it either, but boy, that could have some long-term damage for a career. 
Yes. So those are cultural differences. And uh, the coaching process with my clients, I really interview people uh, around them that work. And so how they are perceived, how this leader is perceived both in the and their qualities and what would make the relationship more productive. Why? Because I don't like to say they're weak points. Why? Mm. It's relative what weak points are too. Uh, and then so they get, they get a very detailed information. And another example is a, a woman executive. So she, um, very bright. Oh my God, was she bright. But sometimes you have, you're so bright that it gets in your way. And so when uh, a direct report came to uh, ask her a question, she she first of all, she walked three steps ahead of the other person because she was quick, 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 you know. <laughs> and Oops. then when the person asked a question, she would go, oh. <laughs> oh, no. I feel where this is going. <laughs> Look. Was it mean of hers? No, because for her, who was extremely bright, uh, it was such a stupid question. Oh, yeah. But you see, she wasn't aware. So that kind of interview, you get to such detail that you can really help them. And of course, she knows what to do after that. Right. And it, I think that's why, you know, I'm such a big advocate of, of coaching, um, because it help, it's somebody else to help show you what you probably know somewhere. Um, and sometimes there are things that you, you weren't really aware of, but there's usually some part in you that knew something that needed to change. And I think it's really important when, when we are brave enough to let somebody tell us and hold our hand and walk us through and remind us it's okay. It's okay that you didn't do that perfectly, but let's strategize how to do this next so that you don't um, have any, that you, you walk down a different path, that you continue to improve upon yourself. And that's really where I'd love to ask people because I, it's, I'm always fascinated how people not only get to where they are and what they're doing and, and how you got into this, but I always feel like there's something in each of our past, uh, pasts that prompt us to, to do what we do and that, you know, things that we've learned for ourselves. So when you look back on your own career, um, is there, what's the most important lesson you learned along the way that really helped you to shock your potential and raise your awareness? Okay, it's a bit personal, but uh, oh. I'll, go, I'll go for it. <laughs> All right. Okay, I was an executor of um, my parents' mm -hmm. wills, okay? And I have four brothers, and I have, I'm the fourth child. So I didn't even know my mother passed away very quickly. And so I didn't know I was going to be executor, but I found out after her passing and she was my best friend. She was my mm. mother, my father, and best friend. Huh? So I was distraught. So you have to realize I'm an emotionally distraught. And then I was supposed to be executor. And so to handle things that were in Europe or in the US. And then my two uh, brothers uh, sued me. I don't, yeah, oh, because they mm -hmm. were upset. They were, I can understand them. You know, they were older than me mm -hmm. and I was the fourth child. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit difficult for them. And they're very bright. I mean, so, but my mother had her reasons to choose me. So it's really, and one was very aggressive towards me. So 
it's really what I learned is that even though he was extremely aggressive and below the belt, I had to not be triggered, understand that I was, wait, be strategic, what's mm. the best for the overall family issues. And uh, even though I wanted to take a bazooka and go, <laughs> <laughs> so and you're like, but I'm going to breathe through that. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what it is to be triggered, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, it's really have that self-control and see what strategically is the best outcome and then react accordingly. So that was one of the shockers that I had personally. And it did turn out very well, you know, uh, to the best. Anyway, uh, my mother was very clear what she wanted. So that wasn't, mm -hmm. that was not an issue. And then for my clients, I have this process. It's a seven-step process. And uh, I help them just get this kind of information, uh, which is uh, very, sometimes if they're abrasive, it can be very difficult information. And that's a mm -hmm. sort of a shock. And to, uh, so that they realize uh, what is really their points of derailment and then work on changing the behavior. And that can be very uh, difficult. I bet sometimes you're dealing with the difficult topics that maybe you might become not necessarily the focus because you're not it, but you could take the brunt of that. Mm. Right. I, um, I totally get that. Oh, I think you have, uh, this is really, it's really intriguing to me. And, and it makes me, I had not even really well, before we started talking, I, you know, as I was telling you about our, our business, um, where we're matching talent from Kenya with U.S. small businesses, you know, and that's one of the things I want to make sure is, you know, I'm helping our talent be able to um, accommodate, uh, you know, kind of the, the mentality and the work ethic of, you know, of our U.S. small businesses. But I'm also doing the same thing on the flip side, saying you need to understand there's Sometimes there's challenges. Sometimes there's power outages. Sometimes the communication might not be as as uh, comfortable as you're, you'd like. That's why we have to communicate more. And it's a really interesting uh, place to be kind of in the middle of this pendulum, you know, the balance of the scales and try and make sure that we're educating both sides on how to work really well together. And it's exciting to me because I think in that one little vein, you know, we help, you know, the whole world recognize, you know, communication is the key at the end of the day of everything, whether we're listening or we're, you know, when we listen, we learn more for ourselves and, and, and for our relationships. Yes. And if you haven't been to Africa, it's hard to understand being for an American where internet is everywhere, that there is outages, that uh, they're in situations that can be very difficult. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it's not, <laughs> it's not a, a lack of organization on their part. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the more that we talk about, it, the more we're aware of it, you know, for us, you know, for my team, one of the biggest lessons I learned was get ahead of the game. You know, whatever we're doing, we're, we're very project driven. So we do very few things that are last minute. We're usually several weeks ahead. So if we have those glitches, they don't impact something that happens today. We have time to fix it. And, you know, trying to get everybody to understand that's also going to create less stress for you the farther ahead of things we are. So, you know, it's just about learning and accepting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And I, 
I have had Japanese clients that, uh, you know, of course I can't go to Japan all the time that don't like to look at you in the eyes, you know? So it's uh, pretty difficult when you're on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) We're all looking at each other these days. Yes. And when, um, but that's a sense of politeness on their part. So uh, to understand these things, it's, uh, it's important for the communication. I yeah. love it. I, I think you just have phenomenal um, information that you've shared. I thank you. We'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to type this in right now and find you, what's the best way for them to find you? It's excellentexecutivecoaching.com. I have a podcast by the same name, Excellent Executive Coaching. And on my website, they can find uh, the seven mistakes CEOs do with brilliant jerks. Or and that's under uh, TV shows, mm-hmm. and the podcasts are, are also under radio shows. So there's free information for your listeners if they choose to know a little bit more about the subject. Wonderful. And before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I'm passionate by what I do, and I love to help people. And so, of course. It's, uh, I, I suggest people follow their passion because basically they'll really get good at it if they really pursue it. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you as a guest today. And I am so glad that we are connected. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast again. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.